Hello and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. If you enjoyed today's episode, join me at my website, narctroopers.com, where you will find a lot of other materials there that may be helpful to you on your recovery journey. Today's topic is recipe for a narcissist. How do you make one? Well, it's nature, nurture, or maybe it's all of them, or it could just be all in your genes. Nature loads the gun, environments pull the trigger, and genetics stage the event. So I'm thinking that it could be, um, you know, maybe all three. So how is a narcissist born? Theories abound about what makes a person develop a malignant pathological narcissistic personality disorder. They are semantics and they complain that personality is a misnomer and disorder does not accurately comprise the magnitude of such a profound mental, um, well, we won't call it a mental illness, a mental uh, impairment. Um, there is so much that we don't know about mental illness in general. Although it has become a pseudoscience, uh, it seems like there is no diagnostic test to determine the mental disorder with certainty. Different doctors diagnose with different labels and criteria, and the treatment modalities are even, even more devoid of consensus. Everybody's got their idea of what can work. Um, there's a tendency to throw pharmaceuticals at patients, which in itself is dangerous and flawed in its approach, because there is no magic bullet for any condition from depression to schizophrenia, and they all come with serious side effects and addiction. I'm talking about the medications. Sometimes is worse than the, than the problem. The treatment can be worse than the problem. So clearly, the mental health profession is inconsistent, too dependent on pharmaceuticals, and lacking the research and studies to find definitive answers. That's just in general in regard to everything, but when it comes to cluster B disordered individuals, narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, borderline, and histrionic, those five it's like there really is um, a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, disagreement, a lot of inability to really know what it is. Uh, who do you trust? Who do you believe? I've read about people saying online that narcissism can be cured um, and that cluster B disorders don't have to be a permanent thing. I think with narcissism and psychopathy, perhaps even sociopathy, um, there is no cure. And if you have someone telling you there is, it's just not true. I think if you have borderline personality disorder, um, then yes, as you get older, sometimes it can resolve itself or you can learn enough um, emotional regulation and manage self-management skills to be able to, um, um, I won't say cure it, but to be able to make a huge difference in how it shows up in your life. Um, 
sometimes that's through just getting older. By the time you're in your 40s, it, a lot of times will not be the issue that it was in your 20s and maybe even 30s. There's also promising treatments through, um, through uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, dialectical therapy, things like this that, that also have a pretty decent uh, success rate, um, you know, on in many ways. But I, I think what we want to remember here is, you know, for other cluster B disorders, the narcissist, sociopath, and psychopath, those success rates and all of that, they're just non-existent. It doesn't happen. So uh, make no mistake, that's not going to change. And so um, if you work from that vantage point towards accepting and um, accepting the unacceptable is really what it is, that they're not going to get better, that they cannot be fixed or healed or treated, and it's just not going to happen. You're wasting your money if you're if you have that narcissist in therapy, unless it's not narcissistic personality disorder, it's not malignant pathological narcissism. Maybe it's something else. In that case, then you probably have a chance of of having a better outcome. But if it is in PD then that's it, you know, that, that's it. So, um, you know, since, since the cadre of cluster B individuals seems to be exploding off the charts, like there's so many more that um, have been diagnosed recently that, you know, they, um, I just want to say, typically the narcissist doesn't seek help unless it's court ordered or if there's some other circumstance where it would benefit them to do so, but they're not earnestly, authentically, honestly seeking help. They don't think there's anything wrong with them. They see no reason to change. What they do works according to their reality, and so they're not going to seek treatment. Therefore, there's probably a lot more of them out there who have this pathological um, impairment, this condition, than what we know. I, I think that that would be safe to say that. Um, so, you know, look around. We have a world that has gone wild, and it just seems to be run by deviants and neurodivergents who have hijacked the, the car and they've gone off the road or, you know, they've actually gone off the cliff or whatever. Uh, that really does seem to be the situation. So, you know, what if maybe they're just raised by wolves? <laughs> Is that a possibility? The common consensus that rules the day with cluster B folks is that, um, you know, it could be environmental. It, you know, it's um, not necessarily that they're born that way, except in the case of the psychopath, and they do sort of just show up. They come out wrong from the get-go. But for everybody else, uh, a lot of folks will say that, that it's toxic scripting, interrupted early childhood development that causes this, and, and abundant trauma has forged a creature that's so overwhelmed and ill-equipped to deal with all of that that they, they metaphorically kill themselves and uh, adopt a fake persona 
to be able to continue moving through uh, life and living and trying to be uh, at least what appears to be a regular person. Most people from the Freudian and Jungian schools of thought will concur that early childhood development can impact brain development in young children, creating lasting brain damage. And um, uh, it can, it, it's permanent. Abusive dead mothers is, is what um, that has been coined. I can't remember who, what psycholog psychological person that that came from. Um, I don't think it was Freud. It slipped my mind, but that idea, it, it is, um, you can search for that, the dead mother. Sam Backnan has a lot of good videos about that. Um, this idea is that they're absent and, and, and that this, the, the person with the pathological narcissism has a dead mother, perhaps ghost fathers who are absent. They are, you know, that contributes to this whole dysfunctional cocktail of toxicity that can become an incubator for cluster B disorders like narcissism, uh, sociopathy, which is antisocial personality disorder, and psychopathy. So if you have that as a child, then that's, that's already uh, an environmental condition that stacks everything against you. Now, of course, everyone who has that kind of toxic uh, parenting situation doesn't become pathological malignant narcissist. Obviously, that's where the other things come into play. That's where we start questioning, well, you know, if you've got two people from the same family, brother and sister, one of them becomes a narcissist, the other one does not. What are the factors that cause the one sibling to develop that and the other one not? So there's got to be something else at play, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Normal childhood growth is just, so it's interrupted and the brain development is halted as a consequence of early childhood abuse, neglect, trauma, and all of that. The dead mother, the ghost father uh, is what we'll call it. Um, so the child self-sabotages and extinguishes his or her authentic self and they replace it with this false mask, this persona. The brain does not develop in healthy ways and is transformed in profound ways that, that prevent certain regions of the brain from growing in, in healthy neurotypical fashion. The interior insula, the amygdala, prefrontal cortex, and the hippocampus are all affected um, and they do not function properly after this happens, they don't develop as they should. Um, altogether, this abuse trauma response model, let's call it, has the primary explanation of what causes NPD. It, it, it is like the number one thing, I think, um, that would trigger it. Now, back to the thing, what if you have two people in the same parent, in the same toxic parent situation, why does one develop this and the other one not? Well, let's look at some other contributing factors. So maybe we have been 
wrong about the mental health just in general all these years and maybe there's a better theory to explain why children who grow up in the same toxic milieu have side-by-side uh, -side, you know differences during their formative years and how they end up completely differently as they grow up have different outcomes as adults uh, a little over a decade ago studies were documented on the inherited genetic components of cluster B disorders. The genetic biological paradigm is the result of new research coming out of neurology. So the field of neurology is studying this. It's not just a mental emotional disorder. It's neurological. According to this theory, narcissism is caused not only by early childhood trauma. In fact, in some cases that may not even be necessary or be part of the recipe, um, but by inherited genetic factors that create a biological explanation for it. And so why would these two children who are both raised by these uh, abusive parents end up so antithetically um, opposite? You know, one of them becomes a helper and a healer, and the other becomes, um, you know, maybe something else, you know, uh, an empath a co or codependent or something, and then you and then you have the malignant pathological narcissist or psychopath or narcissistic psychopath. I call those narcopaths. Um, it's just a slang word right now, but it's working its way into the language like all new things do. It's a narcissistic psychopath who's both narcissistic and psychopathic would be a narcopath, maybe. That's that's not a medical term yet, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. The environment, you know, may not always be the thing that seals the fate. Their biology and genetic composition is a huge contributing factor and that does explain why one child would would develop narcissism and the other one might not um, and so let's assume that the child is born with a genetic predisposition towards cluster B disorder and then suppose that child is raised by an environment that is poisonous and invalidating well you know perhaps pregnant mom smoked or drank or used a lot of drugs or suffered some kind of collective trauma like 9-11 or you know more recently a global a global life-altering pandemic yep that's collective trauma what if these things uh, along with a million other things swimming around in the embryonic soup what if these these things um, did something to baby in well, for a narcissist and those hormones or chemicals or cellular adaptations or whatever they are that are create they created changes in the actual composition of baby in for narcissists uh, there are too many wild cards here to really dissect that right now but there are so many factors that could impact and interfere with fetal growth and development, any number of these irregularities could create an unwanted result, you know? 
There's just a billion, trillion, kajillion different combinations. Who knows how it's all going to shake out? Any combination of them, of these outliers, could alter healthy growth and render baby N incapacitated and destined for the cluster B um, categories, right? That um, uninhabitable region of hell where souls wander and wither aimlessly in um, an endless state of delusion and denial. That's kind of what that might consign them to that region, that, that place where they will dwell in this other alternative reality and this other dimension, sort of like a twilight zone or something. So we've talked about the environment. We've talked about genetics and um, those factors as, as something um, that you could inherit. But let's think about a, a third thing. What about conscious decisions? Where does personal agency and free will come into this equation? Maybe the narcissist actually has a defining moment where they could turn right, but they choose to turn left for whatever reason. And at that moment, it's a defining moment. Uh, and it's defined by a thousand million different variables. And that is the moment that their fate is sealed. Let's think about that. We all make choices. And these decisions shape our lives and the lives of those around us. With that freedom to choose comes the responsibility to do no harm. Right? You've heard of that philosophy, do no harm. The mentally impaired and unwell person does not make good choices. We know this. And their decisions invariably harm both themselves and those around them. It is with this awareness that we must pause and reflect on what that means. Perhaps the cluster B disordered people, this person simply cannot exist in a way that takes others into account or, you know, or their responsibility to not tear through life, leaving a path of destruction and pain behind them. You know, perhaps that um, they can't not do that. Maybe they just dwell in another reality so far removed from the one that the neurotypical people live in that they don't even realize that that the, they are causing great harm and suffering they don't even well obviously they don't have remorse or guilt or feel any compunction for what they've done that you know it's like okay so what but you know in addition to that what what if they don't even know that they're hurting people they're not paying attention to that it's it's like, I don't know. Did I do that? <laughs> I remember. Um, um, okay, hold on a second. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So, um, I myself witnessed in horror as my husband of 15 years suggested in an utter oblivious and profoundly childlike way, why can't you just do what I do and go meet other people and be single and be free? He said that to me the day that he left, unexpectedly, without warning. Um, He said it within the same hour that he dropped this nuclear bomb in the center of our living room. I sat across from him on the sofa and, um, you know, just in shock from the trauma of the unexpected blast hemorrhaging and bleeding out and all of that nasty business and he just didn't get it he didn't understand he didn't feel it he didn't have the capacity to see it or to feel it or to experience anything real no empathy no compassion no mercy no decency no remorse or guilt or accountability or comprehension it just wasn't there but what about those of us who stayed with these cluster B partners for long periods of time we stayed so long that we witnessed the harm that it was causing everyone around us doesn't that make us complicit participants in the freak show fantasy guilty There are no words to describe the feeling of helplessness and resignation as we watch everything that ever mattered to us slip away because we could not leave. We were paralyzed, frozen in place, incapable of action, co-conspirators in our own demise, and in everyone else's too, for that matter. And after it's over, we have such guilt and remorse for our inability to choose our family and our children and ourselves. All were laid at the altar of our delusional and psychotic master. And then he gently slit our throat with a smile as he held us in his arms, brushing back our hair from the gushing bloodiness of it all, whispering that he would always love us as we trembled and gasped our last sputtering, blood-choked breath. So, in conclusion, what happens? What happens to create a narcissist, a pathological malignant narcissist? The recipe for disaster is there's many parts to it their environment their own pulse personal reaction to that environment their genetic predisposition and probably a million other factors we just have to remember that whatever this was that happened changed them and their brain and their soul and their emotions and their heart and 
every part of them in ways that we can't fix. We can't heal it. We can't change it. All we can do is try to understand it, try to forgive them, try to stay away from them, try to accept it, and try to move on and work on ourselves. Because that's all we can do is work on ourselves. And when we become whole and we fill in all those missing pieces in ourselves that are are hungry and thirsty for for love when we learn to give that to ourselves and to call upon a higher power to allow us to feel that then we can be free of this free of what they are and what they did and we can go on and transcend to something higher and um, everything will be okay until then I think it helps to know what happened to them that makes them so impossibly out of reach. And if we understand that, stop trying to change it, then I think we can turn inwards, do the work that needs to be done, and eventually we're all going to be okay. Much love, everyone. Bye. Thank you.